Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Miloš Novovic and I'm an Associate Professor of Law at the Norwegian Business School. All opinions today are entirely my own. And I'm Ria Alexandra Valle from No Ties Consulting. Hey Miloš, how's it going? Hi, I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Today I want to discuss something with you because I went out shopping for a Bunad school. You know those uh, special kinds of uh, of a footwear that you use with uh, the Norwegian bunad? Absolutely, it's one of the nearest and dearest Norwegian traditions to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when I came to the cashier to pay, so she asked for my uh, phone number and I was in such a rush and I didn't even think about it. So I gave her my phone number and then I got a text message after saying that, welcome to our uh, loyalty program. And that oh, wow. got me thinking about like, I am such a li- uh, non-fan of those kinds of things usually. So I thought that would be a really interesting uh, discussion for today. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. That sounds like such an exciting topic and very relevant also because those club offers are left and right. You basically can't buy milk anymore without people saying like, oh, would you like to become a platinum member of a local grocery store, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like super trendy these days. And I've given this a lot of thought for the last past years because it seems that, as you say, everybody is trying to get you to join their membership program or loyalty program or whatever you want to call it, like a customer club um, type of thing. And it used to be like for uh, flights, you know, that you can earn sky miles and whatever. But now they are everywhere. And I'm thinking that maybe is this just a way to get around data protection law? Let's discuss because, uh, you know, I think that uh, that's that might be a part of their idea for sure. But do you think they can actually do it? Well, why don't we jump into some of the purposes of running this type of club? So if we look at like, what is the purpose? Obviously, it must be in the interest of the controller, right? So they are trying to uh, sell more products and services, don't you think? It sounds like a pretty straightforward marketing case, right? Uh, I don't think... So the interesting thing is that uh, last year I had this huge discussion with uh, one of these controllers. So uh, it's, uh, and I think, you know, they're they're open about this on their website. It's Bohus, where you can uh, purchase furniture and interior stuff. So I joined the customer club because as many else, you know, I get tempted by good offers and uh, I don't, sometimes I think it's okay to share my personal data to get something back that's of value to me. But then they started bombarding me with all of these email marketing newsletters that were of absolutely no interest to me. So I unsubscribed and can you guess what happened? Not at all. They removed me from the customer club. They said, oh, so you wanted to unsubscribe, but sorry, we are kicking you out from our uh, loyalty scheme at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I remember there were also a couple of like electronic stores, which would give you actually a really good, meaningful, like 10% discounts, which started doing the same thing, right? They would just uh, terminate basically all the points you've accumulated and everything would be gone if you unsubscribe. What do you think about that? What's your kind of GDPR nerdy take on uh, <laughs> on handling the situation like that? 
Well, I think we can discuss this from several perspectives, but let's start with the GDPR. Um, but before, or even before the GDPR, because if you look at what's happening here, so this is uh, obviously marketing. And if you are going to market to consumers, you have to adhere to the local marketing laws, right? So it's, uh, you have to look at the country where you're in. And I think for the, for the matter of the discussion today, we can look at the Marketing Act uh, here in Norway. Absolutely. Absolutely. With e-privacy being in a sorry state that it is, I fully, fully agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think, and this is one challenge with this is that if you're also using or processing personal data at the same time, you also have to comply with the GDPR, right? So first and foremost, so are you marketing to consumers? Yes. And then by Norwegian marketing laws, you need either the consent from the individual or you may rely on uh, what's called uh, the ICO in the UK. They call it for a, as a soft opt-in. So if you have an existing customer relationship, you are allowed to market to them, If, uh, but that's also under certain conditions. So it's not that straightforward, which I, I see all the time that people, they misunderstand. Yeah, it's actually a very, uh, it must be very challenging to determine what is an existing customer relationship and also to determine how closely connected it has to be to the goods and services you are marketing, right? Because we can't just take those words at their face value. And, I mean, yeah. I'm by no means an expert in marketing law and marketing act. We can invite some experts. Uh, but I think that, you know, when you look at it holistically, obviously the intention there was exactly what you say to, in case, you know, you don't get consent to be able to strike this reasonable balance between people's rights and the, the interest, at least in marketing goods. Yeah. And... But at the same time, actually here in Norway, um, the Marketing Act that is overseen by the Consumer Authority. And they made this guidance for the Marketing Act years and years ago. And that actually details like step by step what is an existing customer relationship. So it's, in my view, it's, it's often a pretty simple task to go through that to assess, can we actually market to our customers? And one of the things is like, if you have a subscription for mobile uh, subscription or whatever, that you have an ongoing customer relationship that often allows you to market to the individual. But one key thing here is that even though you have an existing uh, customer relationship, you have to give the individual the opportunity to object to the marketing. And how do you think that goes uh, together with the GDPR? Well, I would say it actually fits perfectly, perfectly well, right? If we remember the right to object as such, which more or less says that even if you have legitimate interest, if somebody objects to your uh, to use of personal data for marketing purposes, you are to stop using data for those purposes. So I think that's actually a very sensible relationship. Just to clear up some confusion on my part, do you think that in addition uh, to kind of having this legal provision in the Marketing Act that you can market same or similar services, and I'm very unsure about this, would you say that you also need an Article 6 legal basis under the GDPR? Oh, absolutely. If you process personal data. So first and foremost, you have to look at like, is this marketing? Yes or no? And if uh, the answer is yes, then you need uh, to, to either rely it on the consent of the individual or that it's an existing customer relationship. And 
regardless, you need to give the individual the uh, opportunity to object. The next step is to assess, are we processing personal data? And very, very often the email address would be personal data simply because you would be able to identify an individual, right? So that means that the GDPR is also in play, meaning that you need a legal basis as per Article 6. Now I wonder if, uh, if we say, if we're talking about this second part of the provision and we say that, okay, we have an existing customer relationship, However, in addition, we also need uh, Article 6 legal basis. Would you say that uh, because you have this existing customer relationship, that that would make the legitimate interest test kind of easier to complete? Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt. Like if you do a legitimate interest assessment for that purpose, I think that's uh, well within reason. And of course, unless you bombard people every second of the day, but again, you, you are required to give the individual the opportunity to object. And that goes for both the Marketing Act and for the GDPR. So I think this is uh, like pretty simple. And also the Norwegian Data Protection Authority, they also write on their website that if you get consent as per either law, then it applies for the other law. Although there are two separate laws then. But if you get consent as per the Marketing Act, then that could apply or fulfill the Article 6 obligation as per the GDPR. That makes my head hurt. <laughs> it, it sounds very complicated, <laughs> well, right? We will provide links in the show notes as always so people can read more about that. But I think if we go back to the Bohus case, so they don't actually rely on uh, legitimate interest here. They responded back to me that they base this marketing, the, the email marketing, on uh, contractual necessity. And that's your uh, field of expertise. So, uh, what do you think about that? That is a super interesting question because, you know, contractual necessity is such a strange uh, thing to take apart because obviously you need to look into the text of the GDPR, which says that uh, the processing, as always, needs to be proportional, that it needs to have a certain level of fairness. And obviously the way that uh, EDPB chose to phrase that was, is the processing objectively necessary to fulfill uh, the purpose of the contract? What makes that tricky, though, is that the purpose of the contract is very hard to identify because mm. we have to remember that, you know, contract law is an entirely separate field from the GDPR and uh, actually pinpointing the exact purpose of the contract is something that uh, it's dubious whether even data protection authorities can do that, right? Imagine a contract which is governed by American law, for example. Um, mm. Everybody has right a right to pick the law which is applicable to a contract now how would a norwegian data protection authority actually assess something like that but we can take that uh, in one of our upcoming episodes because that's one of the things i'm really grumpy about but what do you think about this selection of contractual necessity because i guess it can be pretty smart if you want to you know if your goal is to get around the gdpr so I think you were spot on when you, you when I mentioned what the EDPB has said. And, you know, if we look at some of the older guidelines from uh, WPN 29 working group, then I think this is pretty straightforward because I can't see that y you have the, the substance or the objective of the contract is to market to the individual. That is, is that isn't how can that be like a, a valid purpose? 
marketing in itself isn't is that any purpose like the purpose is to sell more services and goods right the purpose is not to market to the individual and mm. then maybe maybe you could like say that it's sharing interesting news perhaps well, that's the thing. I think it's very heavily reliant on national contract laws. And I don't think necessarily, you know, um, say a judge interpreting the contract would be able to say what an actual purpose of the contract is, uh, what kind of analysis is needed there. It's so difficult to say. I agree with you. It's uh, look, everybody understands that the purpose of these contracts is not uh, to actually, you know, keep people updated and this and that. It's to give them a clear incentive to buy more goods. Uh, so yeah, you're right. It's marketing. But the question is, how do we legally handle it? And I think maybe, you know, we are looking at it perhaps from a long, uh, wrong angle. Maybe it's not the GDPR. Maybe consumer authorities should do something against this because you have clear protections against unreasonable contracts under the unfair terms directive and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you also have um, many other measures, basically, which you can use to attack quote-unquote contracts which are just unfair to the consumers for instance so do you think that could work maybe you know having consumer authorities first invalidate this contract and then the gdpr consequences will follow i think that is a super interesting approach actually and uh i i think you know as you said you get confused i get confused as well because if we if we again look at what is happening here you are being marketed to there's no doubt that you are being marketed to and the, which means that the marketing act would have to be relevant right so you would need to satisfy the requirements in the marketing act and if we then say that there they aren't giving me the opportunity to object to their their marketing messages then that would also be a breach of the GDPR because uh, in the GDPR article 5 says that the processing must be lawful so if you are already breaching the first law that you need to tackle then you can't have any legal basis as per article 6 because you don't you are already in breach of article 5 that's a very interesting argument yeah, definitely. Uh, I suppose that's certainly one uh, one way you could look at this. Um, also, if we see um, if we see like consent as the main rule for marketing, and then existing customer relationship as a departure from that rule, um, yeah, I mean, certainly you can go with something else than legitimate interest under the GDPR. But as you're saying, uh, basically, if uh, if you're using other means to um, Say to to find a proper legal basis or to get around these uh, these requirements, that's going to make it very very difficult for you. Yeah, and I guess you also brought up some of the data protection principles. Uh, do you think this is fine from the standpoint of Article Five? I wouldn't say so. I would say that basing that processing, the direct marketing on email on contractual necessity is uh, not okay. So I'm super grumpy about that. I don't think that's uh, that's uh, uh, fine or good practice at all. And 
I just want to mention another thing because if we like if we disregard all the regulatory stuff and all the laws and everything, so uh, what is the intention here? We call it a, like a loyalty program or a loyalty scheme, right? Because it's about taking care of your customers, your best customers, giving them like special uh, dis discounts and and special events, maybe like you are really. Uh, taking care of your best customers. But then you just kick them out if they don't want to receive an email, like several emails from you every week. And that is just so terrible customer uh, management. It's like I am gobsmacked that they even think that that is okay. Like I don't think they realize how much they, um, how much they just discredit themselves in all of this by by demanding you to receive their emails which i then view as simply spam you know this is so interesting because and i mean in the in one of the previous episodes we discussed that hungarian bank case right and one of yeah. our main takeaways was basically you know this will just increase customer dissatisfaction so whatever you think you're doing please stop immediately and i think it's the same thing here right in the long run you are losing loyal customers yeah no doubt i think another perspective perhaps to take into account is um i'm totally stealing this so i remember it was probably like 10 years ago uh first time i had taken a privacy course and uh, the professor there basically spoke a little bit about uh, such clubs uh, as one of the digressions. And he said something very interesting, and that's, uh, you know, don't look at it as receiving a discount. Uh, if, uh, you know, if you agree to processing of your data, look at it more as you paying extra to have some privacy or to, you know, exercise your right data protection. Isn't that interesting? Oh, you know, wow. if you want privacy, there is certainly an amount yeah. there. You, yeah, that is an excellent point. I love that because I feel that I get punished if I am not willing to sacrifice my privacy to get all the good deals. And, you know, obviously working in this field, you are probably a bit more skeptical than, um, than uh, like, yeah, most other people, maybe. I don't know. But uh, I think that's a great point. Like, why is that a good customer service to, like, force people to to give up on their privacy but you know i think we we need to look at the degrees here as well like i i i would be happy to join a loyalty program if i didn't have to be spammed every single week or several times a week um i have um not consented to being analyzed like i have loyalty programs for my uh, grocery shopping for example but I'm not consenting to them analyzing to give me personalized uh, offers. And they still want me as a customer. They are not kicking me out or, you know, punishing me in any way for not giving them additional personal data. So I think that is a good practice. Like give people the option to opt in to your marketing messages, give them the option to consent to further processing of, uh, or um, uh, personalized offers. And I think, you know, in the long run, you will be so much way better off doing, having that approach rather than forcing upon people your irrelevant marketing messages. I fully oh, I'm agree so with grumpy, you. Milos. 
No, not in the slightest. Uh, I think we fully agree on this one. Uh, I mean, it's always a competition between the two of us who is going to be grumpier. But I think that is actually a wonderful way to to wrap up our discussion by just saying that, you know, maybe your customers deserve better. Maybe show them some respect and, uh, you know, perhaps don't really jump at the first opportunity to spam them with emails. That was a fantastic summary. And I hope that uh, not only people at Bohus, but several other controllers and companies listen to this and take note. Wonderful. Thank you for today, Iria. Thank you, Milos. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.